To me, changing the church is changing the world. I'm Reverend Peggy Clark, Senior Minister at Community Church of New York. I'm Jill Novensky, the Director of Religious Education. And we're coming to you from Community Church here in the heart of Manhattan, in New York City. Coming from a long line of disruption. Four fires, three name changes. Two pandemics. <laughs> four times. We sold five of our buildings. Yeah, that part. We had a vote to oust the minister. We're in a rented church space. We got sued by four members. <laughs> Oh my God. We're inviting you to join us for a Sunday to Sunday rundown of how we do things here, hoping that you find out what that might look like for you. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we are showing up. <laughs> so what's the point of this episode? <laughs> Let's start there. We want to discuss what it means to employ a citizen model. What does that look like in churches? Am I right? I mean, yes, and I think we want to talk about subject, consumer, citizen, right? So we want, it's really the shifting, for me, that's interesting, like the places where things change, where we recognize who we are and why it doesn't work and then move ourselves into something that works better. So it's like the transition spaces that I find really generative. Totally, yep. It's almost like the changing itself is what becomes generative. So that's part of it. But also that the consumer model doesn't work for us at all anymore. Right. And when we were, when we were talking at General Assembly, I think that was the thing that resonated the most strongly with everyone who was listening in was that shifting. I think there was a recognition of like, oh, wait, where do we fit? I think a lot of folks in the room saw that their churches are fitting not in a citizen model, but very much a consumer mindset. And I think a lot of people didn't realize, right, that that was, that's sort of the root of a lot of issues. And, I think the yeah. consumer mindset is really killing us. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I really do. I mean, not our churches, but I also think this is true of American society. I think that we're, right. you know, the whole consumer capitalist. Yep. It's, it's infiltrated every yeah. way we have of being. It's killing our planet, too. Even, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The more and more I go on, the more and more I see where that sort of is, is an invisible overlay on so many ways we have of processing and strategizing and moving in the world. And honestly, I think our churches are, are so far from the citizen model on many levels. Totally. Living somewhere between actually consumer and subject, yeah, because yeah, yeah. then we have these power trips and mm -hmm. people that are just clinging for dear life to what they've always done and the power they hold uh, mm -hmm. and the titles that they have and that kind of thing. So, do the, for the episode, do we want to talk about what the subject model is, what the consumer model is, and then what the citizen model is? Like, do we want to outline those? Are we sort of assuming people know what that is? I mean, I think it would it would be a good idea to break that down a little bit because not everybody heard the workshop. Okay, so I can think of church communities kind of in general around that subject model because it's such an old and kind of tried and true model for how churches have always run. And the consumer model, I mean, my Lord, there are so many examples, right? I mean, it's we're steeped in that. The interesting thing is, do we find the citizen model alive anywhere? Or where do we see it? I think we see it in little pockets. There's also, no, to me, to be honest, there's something about each of the models that works and doesn't work. Right. Like, actually, when we were just talking about things that keep us stuck, I mean, thinking about that, there are times when not everyone is involved at every stage in the process 
of everything. Right. It is important mm -hmm. that, you know, we, when we talk about shifting from a hierarchical structure to more of a horizontal working collective, it is not to say that you throw away structure altogether. It isn't to say that there isn't one point person at different places that would be making some leadership decisions and others who would be following. I mean, decisions do need to get made. Mm -hmm. Goals do need to be set and everyone needs to be on the same page. But we have, in our faith tradition, I mean, I think a lot of folks tend to forget that we're a, we're a living tradition. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, ingrained that we should be hashing and rehashing and figuring it out and changing and shifting and being open to that. Okay, so when we're talking about the subject model, we're really talking about an old, so it's an old political model, but it is, it was reflected in church life, for sure. The idea that somebody is in charge. And, and no one else asks questions. And nobody has a say in anything. Yeah. I actually worked for a Catholic church, a really traditional Catholic church. I was the youth advisor there. I only went to one, what they called a board meeting or like a board of trustees, but it absolutely wasn't in any way that we would recognize it. It was it's more of a what, lecture. <laughs> well, no, it was like this group of people who had a lot of opinions about things, but all of them talked and they all had their opinions, but it didn't matter because then the priest showed up and he was like, these are the three statues that are going to be where they are. And then these three were moving. And uh, that was the end of that conversation. They were right. like, thank you, father. Right. Like <laughs> that's yeah. the subject model of like, Daddy is here, and yeah. he's going to take care of us, right. and we don't really need to have opinions. And if it's in fact true that Daddy can take care of everything all the time, and you can just live a simple, happy life, right? That's why that model worked because there were plenty of benevolent leaders out there, and it was okay. But it kept people very passive, and Right, that's really quietly disempowering. Totally. Well, it's intentionally disempowering. Right. right. The idea is you have no power and you just do what you're told and in return what you get is to be safe and fed. Right. That that model theologically, right, it like mirrored the idea that there's a God. Right. God is in charge. Everything God will is make handed everything. down from right. there. Everything right. goes back there in the end. Exactly. And everything you do here will be measured by judgment. Right. <laughs> Right. In so, the end. so churches were designed in the way that they understood the world to be designed, but that's not the congregational model. But it also, the United States and really the whole planet shifted away from that and into this consumer model, right. which was incredibly empowering. Now people got to make choices. It wasn't that you were told this is what you have. And religiously in our churches, it changed even before the consumer model completely saturated American culture, we still had this idea that people get to choose some things, but consumerism became synonymous with American culture by the end of the 19th century and definitely in our churches. So that now we have, I think that one of our huge issues is that we have such a consumerist model so that we... Those Definitely people who do. work for churches mm -hmm. are so much in this um, like concern. I mean, I, I've heard ministers say they can't preach certain subjects because people will not pledge. Right. Like this idea that I'm paying for a service. Yes. Yeah, right. Right. Or that, I mean, I, I'm sure you know, like of DREs who have salaries cut. Oh yeah. Because people don't like what they're doing or don't like. Sure. Oh, you're losing kids, right? I mean, 
oh yeah, they're measured by the numbers and only the numbers, not levels of engagement, not uh, anything other than numbers. You have people that are on, you know, RE committees and hold titles like chair and those things and wield that power thinking they are the ones who get to make the decisions about who stays and who goes. That consumer model creates a weird thing. It's sort of under the guise of free choice, but then you, we fall, we're human after all, right? So we fall back into those same power structures right from there because there's in there is no sense of collaboration ever. It's hyper individualistic too. Yep. It's really like, what do I want? Yep. I want to get what I want and I'm going to bend the institution to my will. It foregoes the value of interdependence. Absolutely. So for a citizen model to really work, you have to be willing to look at the whole system and you need to be able to do it together. And I think you need to be willing to name and even in some way um, like hold up the people who are preventing the process. So I was in a congregation and we wanted to talk about covenant. This was congregation desperately needed covenant. And one person felt strongly that covenant was a way to control people. He was able to stop the process from happening so that we couldn't move forward on covenanting as a congregation. Even though the board chair wanted to do it, even though the board wanted to do it, even though the minister and the DRE and like people in real leadership wanted it to happen, and most congregants didn't know what it was, so they were sort of open. This one person wielded enough power to stop it. If we're gonna work as citizens, we need to say collaboratively, it isn't okay to just stop a process, right? right? That we, we're gonna learn together, we're gonna think together, we're gonna decide something together, and one person not liking something, one person who just wants to respond with a no to everything, needs to step out yeah, right. and let everyone else work together right. and decide maybe interdependently we don't want to do this, but decide together yeah. rather than just sort of yielding to the loudest voice in the room. Right. I mean, part of this whole citizen thing for me is like, what does interdependence look like? Moving from you aren't doing what you said you would do to how do we do that together? There's compliance, complacency, and enabling right. that has also been taking place. Right. And what role do you think you might play in that? And what right. changes and shifts are you willing to make? And then we can work together to make that happen. In a, if you're trying to shift to a collaborative model, what you really need is partners, right? You need to be able to say, I mean, honestly, anything I've ever done well, I've, I've figured out, like, who are, who are my people? You know, as an organizer, if I want to create real change in a society, first it's grounded in relationship. You can never like knock on a door and say, here, sign this petition and think that that person is engaged. It's really about like who's on the front line, who really needs this change, building the relationships with them. You start those relationships and then more and more people get involved and you build more and more relationships and you move from there into building a movement if you want to do this in a church or right, you start with those relationships and you build a movement, but every person you talk to has to become part of the hive. Nobody is going to be kind of served. Nobody is going to be just a petition signer, right? That's sort of the subject model or the consumer model, yeah. but more like, and now you're part of the circle, right? You move in. 
and more and more people move in. Along the way, you keep moving, you keep building more relationships, and you change your goals because each new person has another idea. Something to add, right. right. So right. you keep shifting yeah. what your vision is, how are you moving, like what is it that you really want, how are you going to get there, and with each new person. So I think if you were in a church and you want to start to really change the culture, that's what you do. You like start with coffee with one person, two people. To me, changing the church is changing the world. Yeah, I, I agree. really feel like I am genuinely afraid about what's happening in this country. I really think that we are looking the possibility of a Trump presidency is a real move into authoritarianism and that fascism is just not far. And I know that we're throwing this word around and a lot of people think it's hyperbolic. But I know way too much about these kinds of systems to think this is... Yeah, it's very if, real. Yeah, this is very, very real. Very real. It's very imminent. But if we could build mm -hmm. strong, healthy, collaborative, citizen-based, yep. hive mind yep. churches yep. where people are woven together... I was just thinking weaving. That's crazy. <laughs> Sorry, that's crazy. I was. With these real... It's a like, weaving. It is. It's a weaving. And we... We, and it's a, and it'll be a tapestry in the end. It's right. all the things. It's right, a all tapestry the of relationships. And it's an affirmation of our first principle, inherent worth and dignity of every person. Everyone has something to bring to the table. Right. And we can't possibly know all, all that that person's gifts are. They don't even know. Mm. I don't know what my all my gifts are until I'm invited in and we explore. And there's some moving. It's a dance that we do. We're weaving. And then we have these really strong, we have a real fabric of community. Right. And that's what holds us together. And the great thing about that is one thread can be snipped and the whole fabric is not lost. Right. That's important. Right. That's really important. And I, I honestly believe our world is calling, crying out for us to make these switch. Yeah, I agree. These switches too. in our in our churches. We yeah. have to. How yeah, I mean can in the we... same way that the consumer model is killing our planet, right? That we keep thinking that every quarter you have to make more and everything has to be bigger and better and that we can just consume endlessly. We now know that the planet is near exhaustion, that we cannot do that, that the systems are breaking down. We're doing that in our churches too. We are just consuming endlessly and the system is breaking down. Ministers are leaving, DREs are leaving, members are leaving. People don't want to be part of it anymore. It's it is exhausting, it's depleting. If we start building this, building relationships, being genuine, authentic relationship with each other and dynamic, generative relationship with each other, building a community of care right. and of justice making in the world together, right. that's, what, that's the healing energy that's so desperately needed and that really we're going to need in, in a year from now, depending on what happens in this election, yeah. we're going to desperately need very strong communities right. held together in love. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I wonder what things would look like if when you entered a church, folks said, I need you and I want you to be able to need me too and understand that that's all right. That's great. Let's go. It's a commitment. It's a commitment to between yourself and strangers. Right? And that's that's so necessary to start building that way. But I also think, I mean, just as a human being, life is so busy. We've created 
you know, and, and honestly, experts will tell us that this is part of the point, that if you want to create a really strong authoritarian system, you make the citizens exhausted. Yeah, you, oh, for sure. You keep yeah. them distracted, you keep them guessing, you get the, keep them a little bit afraid. Sure. Right? So everyone's sort of afraid of going broke, afraid of being alone, yeah. that we're like just you know, moving way too fast to try and keep up with everything. It's hard for us to pay attention to all the details. So given that life, right? So, I mean, I work full time. I'm a parent of a younger child. Like, I'm a wife. I'm a too daughter. Stressed, I'm a too overworked, Right, I've got all busy. this stuff going on. Right. I walk into a new community of any kind, and I feel like, you know, I need you to just give me the thing I'm here for. Right. I, I, right. I, there's no way I'm, like, joining your collaborative right. community here. Right. And at the same time, it's what I desperately need. Right. It's what everybody desperately needs. And you kind of don't know until you're in it. Well, even if you know it, you feel like, I can't do it. Like, she, Right. I mean, it just happened to me. I was just interviewing. My son is looking at some other schools, and I was interviewing, and he said, what can you bring to school? And I was like, really? Nothing. Like, <laughs> right. I, you know. True story. Like, how, right. Like, how much right. do you really need? Because right. I can't. And yet, while we were talking, we started talking about climate work. And I was just out of nowhere, which was a casual conversation, I was like, oh, well, blah, da, 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 da. And he was like, really? Cause, and I'm like, oh, my God. And then it became the energy increased. And I thought, yeah, I would love to work on that with yep. you. Like, that would actually be fun. Yep. And that feels like that gives life. And that's what our yep. churches should be doing, right? That gives me life. It's I want to be And it's having the opportunities, but also recognizing that joy is critical. Right. Building in joy, embodied rituals in a service, those are the things that will help re-energize and energize people that are completely tapped, who feel like they have nothing left to give. When they do, they do. But it, there has to be some kind of replenishing, right? So that's, I feel like that's where joy and embodied ritual comes in. So and now I'm totally spacing on who said it, but churches are the place where we practice being human. I, I feel like churches are the place where we practice creating healthy, strong human community. For sure. Right? This is, we started here, we work on it, we figure out how to do it, and then we move that into the world and in a world where we desperately need it. Yeah, yeah. And, and those of us in church leadership too, I think have a responsibility to be able to recognize when somebody is tapped and maybe saying I need you is going to be really pressureful and off-putting and being able to have the room and flexibility to say you know come anyway and just just if you if you could just witness and be a part of you know just be present would be great with you know and have some kind of welcoming elements I mean that's why when we create programs we try to have a little food or let's do a little potluck you know let's have a little music Right. Let's sort of have some opening words, create some kind of a welcoming environment for those who who, you know, they can unfold in that space. But first, there's a welcome and an invitation that feels like um, not one more thing for the schedule. Right. Because it gives you so much life. It's so yeah. great. I mean, I feel like church should be the thing that is so great. You don't want it to end. Yeah. Yeah. You want to always be part of this community, always be part Always with these people. And it doesn't doing leave you when you go out into the world and do everything that you do out in the world outside of you know, right. your church community. That, right. that church doesn't leave your heart, your soul, your spirit, your right. bones, your actions. Right. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so we just solved the world. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Disrupt Church Podcast, hosted by Rev. Peggy Clark and Jill Novensky and produced by me, Starling Carter, for the Community Church of New York. To join the Disrupt Church conversation, you can find us on Facebook and on Substack. You can find links to both of these in our show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, or better yet, send it to a friend. See you next time. Thank you.